Hey ladies, and welcome to the She Seeks Truth podcast, where life-changing conversations and detailed studies through the most important book ever written happen weekly. Each episode is a message of truth and vulnerability to motivate change. We are kicking off season one with our series called Faith and Provision, harnessing faith to see the miracle. We are unfolding the remarkable faith of our favorite Bible characters and discovering how their faith invited God to show up in radical ways. I'm so excited you're with us today. Grab your Bible, get cozy, and stay a while. Hey ladies, today we are talking about Moses. Now you've probably heard a number of remarkable things about Moses from a little boy sent in a basket down a river to establishing laws like the Ten Commandments and extraordinary leadership that got God's people to the brink of the promised land. Hebrews 11 is considered the hall of faith. It serves as an excellent summary of exactly who Moses was. Hebrews 11:23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, when he had grown up, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing he who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, drowned. Now the life of Moses can be divided into four themes. Faith, prayerfulness, humility, courage, but we also see some very human emotions like doubt, fear, embarrassment, self-worth, and as a result, we often watch Moses respond not by law, but by faith. The story of Moses begins in Exodus 1. It picks up right where we left off last week in Goshen, which we know is situated right off the Nile and is the best for livestock, herds, and overall life. Talk about living your best life. Now, since then, Joseph has died. In fact, all of his family has died, which would be about 75 members. But God's people, who we will refer to as Israel, has populated Egypt in unbelievable numbers. So from 75 members of Joseph's family to 603,000 males. Now, they didn't count women and children back then. So if we included them, the population would be about 2 million Israelites. Now remember back to Abraham and Isaac, God promised Abraham that his descendants would outnumber the stars. Well, he is making it happen. A new king has seized Egypt and he considers the growth of God's people too many, too strong, and just too dangerous. So he decides to enslave them, forcing them into hard labor and beatings. But despite Pharaoh's attempt to control them, God has made his people strong, healthy, and unbreakable. And they keep birthing children, further outnumbering the Egyptians. So he orders a decree to kill all the sons by throwing them into the Nile. So imagine what this means for all the enslaved daughters, how they must have been treated, and what they endured. Now, Exodus 2 is welcoming baby Moses. Moses is born soon after the decree, which means his fate is sealed. His parents 
instantly notice that Moses is set apart and hide him for three months. They carefully construct a basket and place him afloat down the Nile, which pushes him directly past the Pharaoh's kingdom where the princess will find him. Now the Nile is 4,132 miles long, which means anything could have happened. But Moses' parents' faith, discipline, and obedience is right where it needs to be, and God's provision is right on time. It says that the princess raises Moses as her own, and he became her son. She names him Moses, which means deliver, and the position grants Moses special privileges. But Moses' sister Miriam was sent to watch as Moses went down the Nile to assure that he was in good hands. When she saw that he had landed into the hands of the kingdom, she suggested suggested that the Pharaoh's daughter use a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby. So the princess summons his very own mother to nurse Moses. Now in this time, she teaches Moses about God, mercy, and gentleness. Scripture skips over most of Moses' life, and it picks up when he is 40. He sees his own people subject to hard labor and an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. This upsets him so much he actually kills the Egyptian for killing his brethren. The next day he is identified as the one who killed the Egyptian and Pharaoh hears. He attempts to kill Moses, so Moses flees to Midian. In Midian, he falls into a shepherd's care named Jethro. Moses spends the next 40 years working as a shepherd for Jethro and Midian, and God uses this time to teach Moses patience and trust. Now, the Bible says that Moses became the meekest man on earth. Exodus 3 is the infamous burning bush. So for 40 years, Moses lived as a shepherd in the deserts of Midian. At this point, his life is so humble that he doesn't even have his own flock of sheep to call his own. In fact, the sheep all belong to his father-in-law, Jethro. One day, Moses took the sheep to the mountain called Mount Sinai. Hebrew, it was called Horeb, meaning desert or desolation. And he sees a bush burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Now, some think that this bush is a symbol of Israel, all of us who are Christians, afflicted but not destroyed because God is in the midst of them. Moses is spoken to from within the bush. Now, whatever he saw, it was absolutely not normal. In fact, scripture tells us that what spoke to him was the angel of the Lord. Now, this occasion was God himself. They call that a theophany. But God doesn't speak to Moses until he has his undivided attention. Often God's word doesn't touch our own heart the way it should because we haven't given it our undivided attention. You see, we see phenomenons all the time, but we hardly notice the miracles before us until we receive God and his word. Does God have all of your attention or are you merely enamored by the phenomenon? Now, God's first words to Moses were calling him by name. This shows that even though Moses was now a forgotten shepherd on the backside of a desert in the middle of nowhere, God knew who he was and Moses was important to God. Just like God knows your name, no matter how far you've wandered or how lost you might feel, you are not forgotten. 
So Moses is now 80 years old and God tells him, return to Egypt and free my people. God gives Moses specific directions on what to do and say, but Moses responds just like you or I, and he asks, who am I? 40 years before, Moses thought he knew who he was. He was a prince of Egypt. But after 40 years of chasing sheep around in a desert, Moses wasn't so sure. Have you ever questioned or lacked self-confidence? Did it affect God's call on your life? But I love what God says here. He says, I will certainly be with you. Look at that provision. God's response is intended to take Moses' focus off himself and put it where it should be, God. Therefore, he never even answered the question of who am I? Instead, he reminds Moses, I will certainly be with you. Chapter 4 continues on with this dialogue between Moses and God, and Moses asks God, how will I convince the people that you sent me? So God gives Moses three signs. First, God turns his staff into a snake, then back into a staff. This shows that God uses what you already have. Second, Moses is made leprous and then whole again. And then lastly, he turns water into blood, but never returns it to its natural state. This third sign was simply a sign of judgment to show that those who don't believe will have a bad outcome. But Moses, being human, makes one more attempt at escaping his destiny and points out his flaw. He is not an eloquent speaker. Scripture, in fact, tells us that this would have been an impediment, like stuttering or even slurs. We also know that Egyptians spoke a certain way. In fact, they were required to learn multiple languages by the time they were done with school. But God tells him, did I not make that mouth? God is so mighty that he can call the mute, deaf, and blind to do his work. So how Moses perceived his own inadequacies didn't matter at all. So next time you're looking in the mirror and you're picking yourself apart and thinking you're simply not enough, not worth enough, not beautiful enough, not thin enough, not pretty enough, whatever it might be, imagine God saying, but didn't I create that? Didn't I create you in my image? Was it my hand that knit you together? Was it not me that picked you out before time? Finally, Moses goes into Egypt and the people believe. It happened just as God said, but unfortunately, just as God predicted, Pharaoh does not let the Israelites free. In fact, Egypt suffers extreme devastation because of the 10 plagues that God sends. 10 times God through Moses allows Pharaoh to change his mind, repent, and turn to God. Instead, Pharaoh refuses to be taught by the Lord and receives judgments through the plagues. This piece of scripture is actually a series of types and shadows of our world and our life today. Egypt is the world before Christ, bound by sin and enslaved. Pharaoh is the ruler of Egypt, just as Satan is the ruler over our world. And God's people are the Israelites, are in bondage to Egypt, just as we are to sin. And Moses is the deliverer, just as Christ has done for us. Are you suffering in this season of life, feeling isolated or forgotten? Maybe you're struggling to deal with unexpected or unfair events. I pray this message empowers you to face challenges in your own life through the lens of God, that you realize your setback might simply be God pressing reset and his method of redirecting you towards his plan. 
your destiny. I'm so glad you guys joined us today. Join us next week as we continue our study on Moses. 